So this Sunday starts the beginning of a new worship series for us, as we have said a couple times in this service. So we are calling it The Seven. So it's about creation care, looking through the lens of, obviously, the seven days of creation. And so each of the seven Sundays in this series is going to focus on a different day of the creation narrative, helping us unpack this ancient story seeing how it intersects with our lives and how it can help us to appreciate and care for our creation more. And so for me, God's creation and nature brings calm and connection in my busy life. Because for me, like for many of us, my life can be a little chaotic. I see some residents out there. So between family, including a toddler, ministry, and day-to-day life, things can get chaotic. And sometimes being out in creation can help me bring order to that chaos. So one of the things I like to do, I like to do this for fun, is long-distance running. So I have ran two half marathons, two full marathons, and a couple of shorter races along the way. And so a question I get a lot is, why? It's fair. What is so appealing about running and running and running, and especially when it's marathon training, for three to four hours at a time when I'm getting up to those long training runs? It's fair. But I get a bit of order in my chaotic life by connecting with nature. It becomes such a restorative time for me, honestly. And even though now being a parent, it's harder to get away for long training runs these days, I find it is all the more needed. When I'm out there in nature, there's no emails, no phone calls, nobody needs me for anything. It's just me and God out in nature. So these photos that Sean has been cycling through for us, these are all taken out on long runs that I did at Circle B Bar Reserve right here in Polk County. And so for me, spending time out in nature is grounding. It helps bring me back to the creator. It helps me connect to creation. It helps bring order to the chaos of my day-to-day life. It becomes this shining light, this bright spot, a time of joy that I can cling to. So our modern lives can be chaotic. We can find ourselves going through a lot of hardship and trials and struggles. But the good news is we are not alone in this. In fact, we can find a lot of solidarity when we understand where this original creation narrative that we read in Genesis, where it came from and why it was written, who it was originally written to. So the narrative that we traditionally read in Genesis 1, because if you open the book of Genesis, you see there's actually two creation narratives, two different ways the story is told. There's a story in Genesis 1 that is poetic, and there's a story in Genesis 2 that goes into the Garden of Eden, written by a completely different author. But we're focusing on the story in Genesis 1 in this series. And so the story in Genesis 1 was written by religious leaders to the nation of Israel when they found themselves in exile. 
They were being held absolutely captive by the nation of Babylon. And so the Babylonians were lording over them, and they were telling them all sorts of lies, all in the name of ordering the world where the Babylonians were on top, and they had all the power and control. They were trying to tell the Israelites that their God was dead, that their God was not in control, that they, the powerful Babylonians, were. And so of all the ways, how did the religious leaders of that day encourage the Israelites in their faith? How did they remind them of the power and the majesty of God? What was the image that reminded them of God's care for the world, that God brings order to the chaos, that God brings light out of very dark times? Creation. Creation was the story that reminded them who God was. Creation became this image that surrounded them and reminded them of their connection to their creator God. When they saw the goodness that was in creation, the power that was in creation, they were encouraged that the goodness of God would in fact win in the end despite the difficult things they were going through right now. From Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and I'll be reading out of the CEB translation today. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness, and God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. So, of course, this seems like a short and a simple set of little verses here with a straightforward premise. Our creator God began to create spoke light into existence, and that was day one of creation, the end. But there is actually so much more for us to unpack here. So scholars have talked and debated on how do we translate this first phrase in verse 1. Some translations decide to say, in the beginning, and here in the CEB translation, which I often use, it says, when God began to create. And so the reason why we see all these different turns of phrase in the English is because theologically, what the original text is trying to convey here is that our creator God has this ongoing relationship with creation. We're emphasizing here that God did not just create the world, call it good, and walk away to leave it on its own forever. God continues to care about this world that God created. God continues to work in this creation that God created. God continues to care about the future and the well-being of creation. And so while God is creating this world that's distinct and separate with its own free will and choices, God is still involved. God still cares. God is still here. And then we have this beautiful image of the Spirit of God sweeping over the dark waters. 
And so when we look at that, we think this is some strange symbolism. And we might spend a lot of time wondering how literally the world could be formless and yet have dark waters at the same time, which is fair for us to think. But the dark waters were such an important symbol. So the original creation narrative, some scholars call it a liturgy, and that's because it's set up to be a poem after all, and so that's why this poetic image language is so important. So for people in that day and age, as for these original Israelites in exile, the water, the ocean, was something to be feared. And that's not hard for us to think about. As Floridians, we have firsthand experience with waters being a powerful and a deadly force that cannot be taken lightly. So for them, these dark waters represented chaos. They represented fear. They represented destruction. Perhaps they even reminded them of the own chaos they experienced in their lives their own fears, maybe even their own oppression. And yet, they saw that the Spirit of God was over the water, swept over the waters. It was over the chaos, over the fear, over the oppression. And that God had the power to speak light into existence in order to bring order to the chaos. And so in making that statement, the author, the religious leader writing this text, was reminding the Israelites of who God is. They were reminding them that their God was not dead. That their God was more powerful than these Babylonian oppressors. That their God still cared about them and still cared about all of creation. And they were reminding them that all they had to do to be reminded of all of this was to look at creation. When they saw the light, either in the sunrise or in the moon and the stars in the night sky, in the in-betweens of dawn and dusk and twilight, or even in the glow of a campfire at night, they were reminded of God's goodness, God's care, God's order to the chaos, breaking through even the darkest darkness of this world. And so the same can be true for us. Creation can be our reminder of our connection to God. Our reminder that God is working for goodness in the world. Our reminder that God seeks to bring order to the chaos of our lives. That God brings light to shine in the darkness when it feels like darkness is all that surrounds us. And so understanding this foundational truth and this foundational perspective of our connection to creation, this is the first step in understanding why creation care matters. We care for creation because of our connection to creation. Creation helps point us to God. God created and continues to work and care and be for and with creation. And we should too. So of course there are many ways that we can look into how to care for creation. 
We can find ways to use less water, recycle more, watch our energy uses, keep our nature and our waterways clean. And so through these series, we're going to be talking about a lot of them. And so I encourage you to continue to explore, try things out, make small changes as you're able. But I invite us all for this week, at the start of this series, to start out by thinking about our connection to creation as our why for creation care. Let's take some intentional time this week to reconnect with nature, to reconnect with God's creation, so that we might reconnect with God and find a renewed purpose for creation care. So may we all take some time this week to let creation bring order to our chaos. May we find small ways to connect with God's creation as a spiritual practice. May we find ways to let the simple beauty of things that surround us, and we're lucky we have so much of that beauty around us here in Lakeland, but may we let let it point us to the God who loves us, who cares for us, and who brings light into our darkness. And how we might engage in this practice is going to look different for all of us, of course. Some may have the time and ability to go to a place like Circle B or walk Lake Collingsworth or even walk out here at Lake Morton or even drive to the beach. Some of you may have green thumbs, of which I am very, very jealous. I do not share that talent. And so you may have your own plants, your own gardens that you can admire. But for some of you, you may not have the ability to go much further than looking out your own window. And let me tell you, that's okay. You know who the person who has the best ability at gauging in the spiritual practices in my life? It's my 97, she'll be turning 98 next month old, grandmother. She lives in a very tiny room, you can see it pictured here, in a nursing home in Kentucky. She can't get anywhere, her own wheelchair can't take her. But when we either talk on the phone or I get longer updates when I visit her in person, I get a play-by-play of everything that happens out her window. She tells me all the birds that visited, especially when it's a cardinal, which is her favorite. She tells me the weather, whether it snowed, whether it stormed, or whether it was a sunny day and a blue sky. If I, I hear if a deer or a squirrel or a raccoon scurried by, Even though she can't really go much further than that room, she connects daily with God by looking at creation. And all she has to do is look out her window and appreciate the beauty that has always been there. And I feel like that's something beautiful for us to learn from this day. So may we all take time this week in prayer, in stillness, in scripture to connect with creation. May creation remind us that our God brings light and hope and healing to our lives. God brings those things into the darkness. And may creation also remind us that God calls us to be reflectors of God's light. That we can and we should work with our creator God 
to care for this world, care for its nature, care for its people, all which God so loves. Will you close in prayer with me, friends? God, as in this moment we still ourselves, seeking to find order in the chaos of our lives, may we be reminded that your spirit swept across the dark, chaotic waters and brought light and peace. May we take time this moment, this day, this week, to connect to your creation to connect to that light and peace. And may we be encouraged to share that goodness and that light with your world. Amen. We want to thank you for being with us this morning in worship. And so if you are interested in staying for David's presentation, we invite you to stay right where you're at in the sanctuary. It'll be starting around 930 for that. But as we prepare to go from this place, hear the benediction. May you know that even though we all go through that chaos of life, the struggles, the grief, the darkness, to be encouraged to have hope, all we have to do is look to creation, to see God's light, know that it is good, and know that there is hope. And so may we see that light, may we have that hope, and may we share that hope with others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.